0: Oh God, by the leading of a star, you manifested your only Son to the peoples of the earth. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Okay, so the rest of the Christian world that does Epiphany did it this Monday, and we're doing it today. It's on me. I was away and um, part of me is just i'm the total anti scrooge and i'm reluctant to give up things Christmassy so it's okay with me if it if that whole thing lasts a little bit longer and we keep the crèche out here and and we have the wise men the magi there uh, but i i was away and i missed you all i missed celebrating this feast with you i missed the chance to luxuriate in these rich texts. I, I, missed, um, I missed the music that I knew that Michael Petros, this being his first solo, uh, solo venture at Epiphany, the music I knew that he would pull, and I'm not disappointed at all. So I just wanted to be with you, and so thanks for bearing with me in this. Epiphany. Magi professional stargazers, probably from Babylon or Persia or Arabia, where detailed maps of the heavens have been drawn up and religiously consulted for centuries. Professional stargazers find their way to Bethlehem, looking for a baby worthy of worship. How in the world does that happen? From ancient astronomy to modern. We search the stars looking for clues as to who we are, how we got here, where we're going, and to whom, if anybody, we are answerable. It's especially intriguing to me to find people in the ancient world, around the globe, looking to the skies for signs of hope from the year 524 BC, there's an ancient Chinese description of comets with with tails that look like new brooms to sweep away traditions and the old order of things. And then still from China a little later, around 300 BC, a comet is likened to a broom signaling the sweeping away of evil. In the in the Roman world, right after the assassination of, Emperor, or of Julius Caesar in 44 B.C., a comet appears over some athletic games. And Julius Caesar's successor, Caesar Augustus, dedicates a temple to it. Then Augustus would start putting comets on his own coins Symbolizing his greatness, his deity, and the benefits he was bringing to the human race. And soon inscriptions appear praising him for being the epiphany that is the shining upon, the epiphany of God. He thought of himself as God manifest, worthy of worship because of the benefits that he was providing to the human race. By telling the story of the astronomer stargazers from the East, the New Testament is shouting, yes, the stars themselves do tell the story of the sweeping away of evil by the epiphany of God, the shining upon us of God, coming to save us light shines into our darkness, and the light has a name, it's not Caesar Augustus. It's Jesus the Christ. And it had been Israel's uniquely wonderful mission to point forward to this star. In a few minutes, we will hear the, we will hear the Jewish Christian Felix Mendelssohn's um, There shall a star uh, that he wrote for his unfinished oratorio, Christus. The way Mendelssohn renders and then amplifies Numbers chapter 24, verse 17. There shall a star from Jacob come forth. And a scepter from Israel rise up and dash in pieces princes and nations. How bright appears the morning star, with mercy beaming from afar. The host of heaven rejoices. Jesus, Jesus, holy, holy, yet most lowly. Draw thou near us, great Emmanuel, come and hear us. Or as we heard and then sang ourselves, Isaiah chapter 60. For the third time today, hear these words. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has dawned upon you. For behold, darkness covers the land, deep gloom enshrouds the peoples, but over you the Lord will rise, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will stream to your light, and kings to the brightness of your glory. The magi of today's story, perhaps with the help of Jewish exiles they had known back home, interpret their star maps and what they, observed in, what they observe in the heavens. They, they interpret them to say... Go to the land of this people and look for a baby to worship. And here they are. Today's story of the Magi sings. The star from Jacob has come forth. The glory of the Lord has dawned upon his people. And the nations have begun to stream to the brightness of the glory. Glory. The Magi's story in Matthew finds its counterpart in Luke's gospel when Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, prophesies, by the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the rest of the New Testament expands on this theme. Second Peter 1 verse 19 likens Christ to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. John's gospel is animated by the reality that in him was life and the life was the light of the world that, in fact, as Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then gloriously, Revelation chapter twenty, chapter 22, verse 16 offers, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, offers the very last thing that Jesus Christ says about himself, Christ's own last description of himself in the New Testament. I am the root and the descendant of David the bright morning star, and then follows the invitation, come. Finally, here's where you and I come in. There's this stunning line from the Apostle Paul to Christ's followers in Philippi. You will shine like stars in the world. Maybe stargazers will find their way to Bethlehem through you. I'd like you for a few minutes simply to think about the people around you. Wandering on a journey where they come from. What are they looking for? How might they open the door to you? Consider the people around you looking to the stars, looking to horoscopes, looking to Oprah, looking for clues anywhere as to who we are, how we got here, where we're going, to whom, if anybody, we're answerable. The stargazers in today's gospel say at least this to us. It doesn't matter where anybody is looking. God is there. And if he's going to get you, he's going to get you. And somehow, if you found your way to Bethlehem, you can point others in the same direction. So I'm just gonna talk about a few people I've known or wish I could get to know, and the kinds of conversations that I can imagine having. A young teen, okay, this young teen just happens to be me. A young teen sees an editorial cartoon that pictures a man's spaceship in flight being stared up at by a caveman bludgeoning someone down here on Earth with a club. Seeing that editorial cartoon years ago was the beginning of my saying, something is not right here. The young teen realizes There's a difference between being able to figure out how to defy the law of gravity and figuring out how to heal the sickness of the human heart. A person like this teen may come to you and ask, why is that? And if you find yourself in that conversation, you can point them to Bethlehem where a baby is born to take us to the heights precisely by nailing to the cross the sin and sickness of the human heart. Or, did you ever, ever take an astronomy course? Ever just pick up a National Geographic and read about the, the the amazing cosmos out there? Maybe you wind up talking with somebody who's gotten interested in astronomy through a college course or National Geographic or whatever, and then inspired by the work of, say, the late Vera Rubin, who discovered dark matter, an astronomer realizes that at the heart of the universe, as we presently understand it, there's this amazing tension between, on the one hand, dark matter that, if it had its way, would suck everything into oblivion. On the other hand, dark energy, that if it had its way, would fling everything out into nothingness. That dark matter and dark energy live in complementary tension. And that's what keeps the universe going as far as we now understand it. And the astronomer wonders, how does this come to be? Is there maybe a who in it all. And you fall into a conversation and you have the chance to point them to Bethlehem where in this unique baby who is God and man embodied, here divinity and humanity come together, transcendence and immanence, the very breathing in and breathing out of existence itself. And he has a name. And there's a who that wants to know you. Or you may wind up talking with an oncologist who deals with dying cancer patients daily and has all kinds of scientific objections to faith, but just can't dismiss the hope with which believers in Christ face their end. This is the story of how Francis Collins, head of the Human Genome Project, came to faith. He wound up asking his questions to a believer. And maybe somebody like Francis Collins, dealing with death is so ugly, and yet believers can face it with a smile and with joy in the midst of their tears. Somebody like that may come to you and ask, why is this? And maybe you can point them to Bethlehem, where in this birth begins the death of death, where hope personified gets born into this world. Or maybe, just maybe, come to church one day, you'll wind up sitting down next to a couple who are here because they thought they were just looking for a cool venue for their wedding. But they've walked in here. And, like, this really does happen. And they realize something's different about a place like this. Maybe you get to hear them ask the, why is that? And maybe you get to welcome them home to Bethlehem. Maybe you get to welcome them home to Bethlehem. You just never know where people started their journey from, or how they got where they are. But you can be ready to listen, and as best you can, point the way to Bethlehem. This epiphany, friends, my dear brothers and sisters, may you know, as Paul would put it, The grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and has now been revealed through the epiphany, the shining down upon us of our Savior Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And for that gospel, may you know yourself to be appointed a herald and an ambassador. To God be the glory. Amen.